Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Notice I have on my Nyack shirt, uh, Nyack basketball shirt, and on the back is, I don't know if you can see it, Sarah Wilson. It's a miracle the team is actually playing finally games. It's so much fun to watch them. They're finally getting to play some games. It's a miracle after all that's going on with COVID and everything else. And it's also a miracle that Sarah's playing again. Uh, a year and a half ago, she couldn't walk. A year ago, she was playing with braces and she could play maybe half the game, but it was a struggle. And this year, she's playing a lot, uh, sometimes the full game and no braces. So it's really a miracle. And the team, it's just fun to see them be playing and the girls out there playing. And hopefully next year, we'll get a full season in. All right. But enjoying girls, Nyack Warriors. Do I get that right? Warriors. I have so many kids playing so many different sports. Warriors, congratulations on finally you're playing your season. Alright, so if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, we're starting the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and also we should be on live streaming this week or next week, so be, be watching for that. You can, instead of watching just this video, you could watch it live streamed if you would like to. Either way, we're going to have both sermons and, and the live stream on. But the, the passage, we're starting the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just finished the life of Elisha. And we talked about how Elisha is a type of the apostles, a picture of the apostles, which is what the book of Acts is all about. Perfect segue into the book of Acts, which is what it's all about. But really, it's all about the Holy Spirit's power working in the apostles' lives. It's about the Holy Spirit in them and in us today. When I was a teenager, <clears throat> I remember getting my first car, and it was a VW, a Super Beetle, <clears throat> a Super Beetle, yellow Super Beetle, it was a lemon, didn't let my dad go look at it with me, I should have, it was a mess, always had a mess with that car, let your parents help, let your dads, at least your dads or parents, help you pick out your first car, learn from me, but anyway, I picked the lemon, and uh, and I, my dad didn't go with me, and the guy was explaining to me what the car was like, and it had an automatic clutch. Now, I grew up driving manual on the tractors and on the trucks and everything and cars, and and uh, but automatic, to me, meant you just shifted it in, and it shifted itself after that. So so what he said to me is, is uh, to me, he said, Chuck, the guy I bought it from, I still remember, he said, listen, you can either shift the car using the clutch on the floor, all right? You could push on the clutch on the floor and shift, or there's a clutch on the handle. When you push down on the handle, you can use that. That's what he said to me, but what I heard him say was, you can either push down on the clutch and, and, or on the, on the, the floor or on the handle and shift it, or it will shift itself. It's automatic. So I thought I had an automatic or a manual. It could do both. You could either shift it or put it in the first gear and it would shift itself. That's what I thought he was saying. I was just so excited to get this card. Couldn't wait. So so I'm thinking, you know, once again, he said push on the clutch on the floor or push down on the handle for the clutch, but you have to shift it. But what I heard was either shift it because that's fun. Or if you get bored with that, leave it alone. It'll shift itself. Automatic clutch and so that's what I heard because I was so excited so I got in my car and I'm driving it home and I'm shifting it using the floor and then I said I'll just use the handle and I'm shifting it and for about the first week that's what I did I shifted it because it was fun but then I got bored because you know who needs to be shifting I've been doing that my whole life on the farm so I put it in the first gear and just let it shift itself 
But funny thing about that car, it just started having lots of problems. Lots of problems. It was, first of all, I couldn't get it to go fast anymore. At first that I had it, I went fast. But after that, I had trouble getting it over 50 miles an hour, no matter how far. And I'm driving on these farm roads, long seven-mile stretches. And, and I could barely get it over 50 miles an hour. And it took a long time. And it was loud. All of a sudden, it was loud. I didn't know something wrong with the muffler or something. But I was loud, loud, loud. And it was burning oil at amazing speeds. And it was burning belts. Every It kept burning belts on my car. The belts kept burning. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And my dad it's like, Chuck, something's wrong with that car. It shouldn't be burning oil and belts like this. Something's not right. And I said, leave me alone, Dad. It's it's a super beetle. That's what they do. And my dad's like rolling his eyes, right? And it just kept going. And finally, I burned another belt and, and had engine trouble. I blew out the oil. That's a whole other story. Uh, and But I'm just going to stick to the, the shifting part. Finally, my dad, I pulled into the driveway one day. And my dad was like, I could hear you cut. Chuck. I go, what? He goes, Chuck, what? He goes, shut off the car. I shut off. He goes, I could hear you come from a long way. Something is wrong with your car. Stop picking up my car, Dad. You're just mad because I didn't let you help me pick it up. He goes, open the car door. And he gets in. He sits down next to me. And he goes, okay, now let's drive it. I want to see what's going on with this car. Something's not right. You know, loud, belts, oil, blowing out gaskets, all kinds of crazy things. And so I get in and I pull up to the road. And I pull on the road. I put it in the first and I start driving. He's like, shift the car. I go, what? He goes, shift the car. I go, I don't have to. It's got an automatic clutch. He goes, stop the car. Oh, he was mad. He was mad. He goes, that's not what it means. You still have to shift it even though it has an automatic clutch on the handle, on the, the shifter there. You still have to shift. I haven't been driving for about a month in first year. Oh, Oh, that did not do that car. It was already a lemon before that, but it didn't do it any favors. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But <clears throat> that's, I know what I was saying. That's crazy. That's just downright stupid. <laughs> that's why my dad had me leave the farm as early as possible. But it's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? But most of us are doing the same thing spiritually. We are living in first gear spiritually we are stuck in first gear we're living by our own power instead of god's power which we get to his holy spirit that's right and the book of acts is all about the holy spirit's power and how we can live by that power and in his power we're going to see that the apostles and the disciples lived in very tough times. Just like we, we think we're in tough times. They lived in tough, tough times. We, we, they lived under the Roman Empire. We're heading to living under the revived Roman Empire. They lived under the Roman Empire. But they still lived in victory. They still accomplished God's purpose for their lives and for their ministries. They still accomplished God's purpose. And this has a lot to say about the USA today and we as Christians, as we approach the second coming of Jesus Christ and the revived Roman Empire and all we're going to be going through, we need to learn from these apostles. It doesn't matter what is happening in our lives. We can still live by faith just like the disciples did in the book of Acts. It doesn't matter what's happening in the USA today. The persecution is coming. Duh! We can see that. We know that. But yet the New Testament church 
flourished in persecution. No, no. They flourished because of persecution. Just wait till we see as we go through the book of Acts. And it doesn't matter what's happening in our world. Yes, it's crazy. It's chaos. It, it's People are hopeless out there without Jesus Christ. But the book of Revelation is becoming a reality. If you haven't been following my online Revelation series, I want to encourage you to do that. It's becoming a reality. But the apostles, their world was crazy too. Not, very, very crazy. Second only to the book of Revelation. But they turned their world upside down through the Holy Spirit's power. No matter what is happening in our world, no matter what is happening in the USA today, no matter what is happening in our lives, we can live by faith in victory with the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit's power. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit's power to speak through your word now and all throughout this book of Acts. But starting now, we just ask that your Holy Spirit's power would come upon your word. It would touch our hearts and touch our lives, impact our churches, even our country itself, Father. We pray for a spiritual awakening. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit's power to speak through your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start with reading the passage. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going at, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as, as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we see that in the beginning it was written by Luke Dr. Luke, okay, uh, to Theophilus, we connect all the dots here, uh, to the book of Luke. This is really part two. The book of Luke was the life of Jesus. This is the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And Luke wrote both of these uh, to Theophilus, um, probably not his real name, but to uh, probably a highly placed Christian. And he was trying to show him all that Jesus had done. Uh, I'll just read that part. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself 
to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Once again, Book of Luke and the Book of Acts are really meant to be together. Uh, they're they're just both written by, by by Luke. Okay, the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But then I'm going to jump up to verse nine real quickly, at, um, where it says, "After he had said this, talking about Jesus, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand?" Lo- here looking into the sky, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we see the ascension. We call this the ascension. And this, there's the ascension, the ascension is very important. First of all, it's miraculous. It confirms that Jesus was, you know, God, you know, the, the, the Son of God taken up before their eyes up into heaven. It's crazy. It shows that he was, it was really Superman. I remember a story about Muhammad Ali. I remember years ago, it was actually in Paul Harvey's For What It's Worth. And uh, there was a, a guy overheard on an airliner flying, flying. Muhammad Ali was on the airplane flight. He was a passenger. But he was confronted by the flight attendant who said he would have to fasten his seatbelt. The flight attendant said to Muhammad Ali, you must fasten your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali replied, Superman don't need no seatbelt. That's what he said. <laughs> Superman don't need a seatbelt. You know Muhammad Ali, he was so funny. But to which she, the flight attendant, replied sweetly, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> so she made the point. He really wasn't Superman. He thought he was, but he wasn't. Uh, and and that, that, is, that, that is a picture here. But Jesus really was Superman. He was God-man and he flew up without an airplane. He ascended into heaven right before their very eyes. And the ascension was very important. We can't miss the importance of this of the ascension. Why? It's very, very important. A lot of times we just kind of, we think about the resurrection, we forget about the ascension. But it's very, very important what Jesus accomplished. First of all, in John chapter 14, verse 1, it says this. Jesus talking about uh, what he's going to be doing. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. So we see the importance of the ascension. He's going to prepare a place for us. A place for us. That's very important that he went first. And not only that, he's going to come back for us again. The second coming is also promised. The first coming was to the suffering servant. The second coming is a conquering Messiah, the conquering hero. He's going to, he's going to come again and he's preparing a place for us, but he's coming again to, to, uh, not just die for us the first time, but he's coming to reconquer the planet. Watch my series, the book of Revelation, Daniel, Revelation. Watch that whole series because it shows what he's going to do when he reconquers the planet. But he's going to go and prepare a place for us, it says here in John 14, 1 through 4. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. There is one way. One way to heaven. One way to the Father. Jesus Christ. The, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you are trying to get 
to, to heaven through Muhammad, you're not getting there. If you're trying to go through the Hindu religion, you're not getting there. If you're trying to go through Buddha, you're not getting there. If you're trying to go through Joseph Smith's teaching, you're not getting there. There is one way through Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus, through Jesus Christ, by putting your faith in Him. That is the only way to the Father. And he already talked about it earlier in John. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave His one and only Son. Loved us so much He gave His one and only Son once again. His one and only Son to die on a cross in our place. To rise again from the dead to prove He was the Son of God. That whoever believes in Him. The word in Greek for belief means to put your trust in. It's not an intellectual ascent. It means to put your heart's trust to complete dependence in Jesus Christ. And every one of us must make that decision. If we want to get to heaven, we must say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. I believe Jesus was your one and only Son who died on a cross for my sin, who rose from the dead to prove He was your Son, uh, prove He was your one and only Son. And to give me a brand new life, I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Him. I put my trust in Jesus. The moment you do that, we have a brand new life. We become a new creation in Christ. That is the only way to get to heaven. That's the only way to have life here on this earth right now. It's the only way. So, first of all, we see that the importance of ascension is Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. It's also preparing for a second coming. Also, another key part of the ascension is in Hebrews 4, verse 14. And in Hebrews 4, 14, where it says... Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, talking about Jesus, gone, a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may re receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus has gone into heaven. He's standing before God and He is making a way for us to come before the throne of God. Coming before the throne of God, we can do that. He connects us to the Father. That's what Jesus does. He, he's a high priest who has opened the door to the throne of God and has made a way for us to come into God's very presence. And, and a lot of times it's hard to come before God's presence because of our sin and our struggles and, and our strongholds. But Jesus even then is making a way. In Romans chapter 8 verse 34. In Romans 8 34 it says this, Who is he that condemns? The rhetorical question meaning nobody can condemn us. Why? Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life get that died raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus, because of his death, resurrection, is now at the right hand of God, ascended into heaven, and he's interceding for us. He's making a way for us to come to God's presence and he's interceding for us. Yes, Father, he is a dodo. A real dodo. Really messed up again. Yep. But he's your dodo. Because he put his faith in me. He's been bought with the blood, my blood. So you've got to let him in. <laughs> 
You gotta let him in and come ask for forgiveness again. Mercy again. Grace again. Yes, he's a dodo, but he's my dodo. He's your dodo. Bought with my blood. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. That's what he's doing for us. One more very important thing, the importance of the ascension, this is what gets us into the book of Acts here, is in John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, verse 7, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says in verse six, chapter 16, verse 7, sorry, Verse 7. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble seeing through my tears. Sorry about that. Uh, John 16, 7. And my glasses. Oh, he, oh, here it is. But I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So, he says, it's important that I leave because once I go, the Holy Spirit will come. He will send the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was here in human form, he could be in one place at one time. He took on a human form. He was limited to that, to that one body. But when he got to heaven... He and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit. He can indwell all of us at the same time. God can be in all of us at the same time. And, and that's what happened when Jesus died and, and ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit. Every major religion in the world was firmly established before its founder died. But Christianity, which we know is not a religion, it's a relationship, Right? But, but Christianity did not take off until after Jesus died and resurrected and ascended. Ascended because he sent his Holy Spirit. That's the power that we have is, is God's actual Spirit living inside of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit make up the Godhead, the triune God, and the Holy Spirit is what, who indwells all of us once we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you say, God, I put my faith in Jesus, just like I talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. Okay, so now I want to go back to Acts chapter 1. We already talked about um, why Luke wrote the book. We also talked about the importance of ascension, but I want to focus on verses 4 to 8, which is the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, on one... On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. Very important, very important lesson here. Don't make any moves until the Holy Spirit empowers us and leads us. We'll talk about that next time. They didn't, they didn't want to wait. They were very impatient. And they said, when are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to restore, they were under the Roman Empire, right? When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When are you going to, Make Israel great again. They all had their red hats on, M-I-G-A, make Israel great again, right? And they had those on. When are you going to do that? And Jesus says, that info, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. 
It's not for you to know that time. That info is above your pay grade. Right? But but we also should we cannot know when Jesus is coming again. We cannot know when God will send His Son. God the Father will send His Son Jesus Christ back to earth again. We don't know when the second coming is again. We cannot set dates and predict dates. We can't know. But it shouldn't surprise us either. We should be ready. We should recognize the signs of the times. We should be seeing those. And if you are not seeing them, uh, open your eyes. One eye on the book of Revelation, Daniel Revelation, one eye on on the news, and and be paying attention. You have to be spiritually blind not to see how close it is getting to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We better be watching and ready. We shouldn't be shocked. The world's going to be shocked. You talk about a 9-11, it's going to be a a shocking experience for the world. Complete bewilderness, wilderment. Daniel, Revelation, if you have not been, haven't followed those, I want to encourage you making sense out of our crazy world, uh, God's word and prophecy. I want to encourage you to go on and watch those. But listen to how we should not be shocked. First Thessalonians 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So he's saying, you can't, Paul's saying, you don't know the times. We can't predict dates. The day is going to come like a thief. In the night, right? Like a thief. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even read that. Will come like a thief in the night. Because let's go my memory. Getting bad. Verse 3. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly like labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. If you haven't heard my sermons on this, I hit it hard at the beginning of my my prophecy. But verse 4 but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. The world's going to be shocked like a thief in the night. Like labor pains. Boom! There they are. But we're not shocked because we recognize the labor pains. We recognize the contractions getting closer together and more intense. We are not surprised. We're, we can't predict the date, but we should not be surprised. Unless you don't read your Bible and study prophecy and, and pay attention to what's going on in the world because you've been conformed to the world, then you're going to be shocked. But Christians should not be shocked, should not be surprised so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Shouldn't happen to us, right? Very, very important. Okay, so then we get back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he says, you can't know, you can't know, but, this is what he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Memorize. Memorize that verse and keep keep remembering it and meditating on it and memorize and meditate. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, we know it's clear in Scripture that we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Many, many verses talk about that. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, but you receive the Spirit of Sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, in, Acts, in Romans chapter 8. We receive, at the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit within us. But this is talking about something different. This is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the Holy Spirit come upon the believers and baptize them with power. We're going to see tongues of fire, power, and manifestations. They're going to speak in tongues. And, and, all, and from then on, a crazy crazy, amazing, miraculous power that the apostles had all throughout the book of Acts. I believe this baptism in Acts chapter 2 and that Jesus is promising here is a special event. 
Okay, a one-time special event. But we're going to see in Acts that there's always more filling available, more power to come upon people available. We can receive fresh baptisms, not like the apostles, chapter 2, that was a special one, but we can receive fresh baptisms of the Holy Spirit when God is getting ready to move. We know that from the rest of the book of Acts, and we know that from church history, our own Christian history, the uh, USA history, the, the great awakenings, the great awakenings before those hit, each person that sparked the great awakening knew they experienced when they were in prayer or preaching, they experienced a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can read the history of Whitfield and Wesley Finney, Moody, they all talk about their baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not Acts chapter 2, that's a definite, distinct one, but they knew they received a baptism, uh, uh, an empowerment, a special Holy Spirit bomb. And sure enough, they did. Because what followed was mind-boggling, was crazy. The revival in the church and the great awakening in their cultures, it, it hit the whole world. Now, and... The purpose of this Holy Spirit's baptism that I believe we can still receive then and now was not manifestations. Everybody, all these revivals, they focus on the manifestation. Let's see who I can knock down. Let's see who can speak in tongues. Let's see who can do this or that. They, they're looking for manifestations. But the, the baptisms of the Holy Spirit that you see in the revivals, the baptism, the real revivals I'm talking about, not these quasi-revivals, the real ones, the Whitfields and Wesley's revivals, that wasn't the, wasn't the manifestation, but the key was the Holy Spirit's empowering them to witness, to evangelize, to reach souls for Christ, to break Satan's stronghold on people's lives. And that's exactly what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive the power, you will receive, you will receive uh, the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the whole point. The ends of the earth. The Great Commission being fulfilled. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18-20. That's the purpose of the empowerment, the baptisms that we can still experience from the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18-20. I hope you have it memorized by now after I've done it so many times. But then, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission being fulfilled. We see it given in Matthew 28, 18-20, and we see it reiterated here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Great Commission. And that's what we're called to do today. That's why we, we need the Holy Spirit's power today. To we were, we're called to reach Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where they lived. It was their hometown, right where they lived. Wherever you live, we live in New Hope. Wherever you live, that that is where we're called to minister with the Holy Spirit's power. But now we're not supposed to stop there. He says, in all Judea Judea. Judea is the surrounding area. Like if where we live, it would be Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That would be the surrounding area, the region. And then it talks about Samaria. Ooh, 
Samaria, not very popular. Remember the, the good Samaritan, but they considered everybody bad Samaritans. These are people that were different, people they were uncomfortable with, places they didn't want to go, places that they went, they kind of held their nose, you know, and, and they would tend to skip and neglect what we do today. We tend to skip and neglect these areas of Samaria. People are different. People are dangerous. People aren't, you know, Christians. You, you think of the inner cities that we, we've avoided for so long as Christians. You think of Philly, the inner city of Philly, maybe Kensington or, or Trenton. You know, we, we, we tend to avoid those, but we're called to reach out to people from different cultures and that we're not comfortable with and that could even be dangerous. Inner city, everybody's afraid, no matter who you are. Everybody's a little nervous down in Kensington, right? Very nervous down in Kensington for good reason. But also, then it says the ends of the earth. We're supposed to go all the way to the ends of the earth, wherever that may be. We're called to pray for the ends of the earth missions. We're to send people. We're to give. We're to go. Very, very important to go. We're not off the hook. We're supposed to do all those things. We're also called to go, maybe short term, maybe long term. I know Josh and Tatiana have been talking about now going to Spain to minister to the Muslims in Spain. They're talking to a mission organization about doing that. But we're, we're, we're called to go and maybe we, we can't go there, but maybe we give and we send and whatever, pray for. We encourage whatever it is. We, but the point is we all need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the Holy Spirit's power to Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the Holy Spirit's power in the USA today. The church is powerless, as powerless as it's ever been in history in the USA today. The church, we need the Holy Spirit's power. We need it in our church. Our church, New Hope Community Church, and all of our churches, the true churches, not the apostate, they're going to die on the vine. You know, they're separated. They're not connected to the true, God, the, the true vine, the true gardener lopping them off, burning the brush, right? But but I'm talking about the true churches. We need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. So many of us spinning our wheels, spinning our wheels year after year, stuck, you know, stuck in first gear, stuck in the snow, you know, stuck in the mud, stuck in the manure on the farm, stuck, you know, but we're, we're stuck. But we need the Holy Spirit's power. We're trying to live by our own power. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we see here, but but you will receive the power when the whole, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe, was a special event. It showed that believers now had the Holy Spirit's presence and power in a whole new way. But I believe a baptism of the Holy Spirit is still possible. Today, I'm not comfortable with the whole Pentecostal baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that right now. That whole movement, every believer must experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit at salvation and speak in tongues. I don't think that's biblical. I don't see it in Scripture. And I've seen so much flesh and abuse uh, as a result of that. I, uh, but I do believe that God can still empower us and baptize us with his spirit when he's getting ready to move in a powerful special way it's not a oh everybody can do it no it's when he's getting ready to move in a powerful special way we can still experience a baptism of the holy spirit just like whitfield just like wesley just like finney just like moody each of these you read their histories and their stories there's no doubt about it and i'm just reading a couple of them they're Every true revival, I'm not talking about all these counterfeit revivals, I'm talking about true revivals. Every true revival, there was a 
empowerment of baptism, a baptism, not the baptism, but a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying for it. I've been praying that God would send a, a, another baptism of the Holy Spirit upon His church, upon prophets, upon re, true revival preachers. Uh, just, just like I pray that we would see a revival, just like we saw with Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, and Whitfield and Wesley. We would see that. I hope and pray for this. But it all depends on God's purpose. We can't demand it, everybody. We can't demand it. No, 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 no. It all depends on God's purpose. It's a rare event. It's a rare event in Scripture, and it's a rare event in church history. We cannot demand it and expect everybody, but we can pray for it. And if it coincides with God's purpose, we can see it. And I'm hoping and praying we will still see a revival in the church today, in the USA today. Worldwide revival today. I'm still praying for that. Odds are it's going to be a remnant revival. talked about that many times, but I'm praying for that today. But that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that we can't experience the Holy Spirit's power. Maybe not a baptism of the Spirit, but we should all experience the Holy Spirit's power. In fact, we're commanded to experience the Holy Spirit's power. But it's different from the baptism. In Ephesians 5, 18, Paul talks about it, but it's called the filling of the Holy Spirit. And every believer should be experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit on a regular, constant basis. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, to the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. tells us it's, it's commanded. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So we, we're supposed to, this is a whole other thing, but it's, it's, that's where we get our spiritual power on a daily basis to be filled. But it says, be filled. It doesn't say fill yourself. It says, be filled, which is in the passive voice. And that means you can't do it. You can only allow yourself, put yourself in the place where God can do it. And how do we do that? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us? He tells us how. He says, through the Word, through worship. Uh, and worship in the heart. The heart's your key. It's not the mouth. It's not the not what we're saying. It's the heart. Worshiping from the heart is the key to let the Holy Spirit really move and fill us in a special way. And then he talks about prayer here in Ephesians five eighteen to twenty and fellowship one with another. Fellowship is really important. I I have a fire going right now in the fireplace. Thanks Bob for the wood. And I have this fire going. And if I just put one log in that fire, guess what? It'll burn, it'll kind of smolder, but, but it, it not, doesn't give off a lot of heat. When does it give off heat? When I put another log next to it. You put another log and another log, you pile them up and they, they, the, they create heat together and it's flaming and that's when, that's when it gets hot and we need fellowship. We need to be connected. I'm not talking about just on Sunday morning. Awesome. Please come on Sunday morning. Uh, but, but, we need to have fellowship during the week. Maybe home fellowship. Maybe a Bible study. Maybe the prayer group. Maybe one-to-one. Just get together for lunch and encourage. Pop in and visit somebody. Just encourage somebody. That fellowship is so important. And then finally ends with Thanksgiving. The attitude of Thanksgiving. No whining. 
No negatives. Think about it. When do we really sense God's power? When we're in a thankful mood, when we're thanking, not because everything's going great, but because we have that mentality that we're, we're just appreciating God and thanking Him. When we have that perspective, we can be in anything, in the midst of anything, and experience the Holy Spirit's filling. It, and it's so important that we continually get this filling of the Holy Spirit. We allow Him to fill us. It, it's like when you, you get a, it's like parents, when we, we get our kids a phone at a certain age, we, we get them a phone so we can stay connected. You know, usually it's when they're, they, we gotta pick them up from games and all that stuff, or school, or blah, blah, blah. And, and we, we give them that phone so we can stay connected. And then, from then on, we can, they can text us, or we can call them. They never answer the phone. Why do we give them the phone? They never answer the phone. Never. Uh, but when they call us, or text us, they expect boom, 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 right? I, okay, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, or we could FaceTime with them. We get this phone so that we could, so we could stay connected. You get the phone so you could stay connected with your parents. But, in order to do this, you need to charge the battery. And keep on charging it. And keep on charging it. What happens if we don't charge the battery on our phone? What, if, what happens? It dies. It's dead. And we can no longer connect with anybody anymore. And that's what happens spiritually. We need to be recharged spiritually in order to stay connected to God. And that's what it means to, to allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to con- plug in and let God, His Spirit, fill us. We have the phone, but we have to let the his energy flow into us. That's the Holy Spirit's power. Very, very important. So many of us have not recharged. We have not allowed the Holy Spirit to fill us on a regular basis. We're trying to live by our own power. Our lives in our own power. And we wonder why we're drained and, 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 and fruitless and powerless and miserable, not thankful and miserable. We, we need to plug into the Holy Spirit's power. We can't do it on our own. We can't fight sin on our own power. We can't break a stronghold in our own power. We can't face the trials of life that we face constantly with our marriage or our kids or our work on our own power. We can't, we can't do ministry. We can't witness to somebody on our own power. If we're not connected, if we're not dependent on the, the Jesus, the true vine, there's not going to be any fruit. We can't do it. It's just going to, it's just, we're, we're running on empty. We're on fumes. We're dead. It, we can't do ministry. Our churches, we, we, we can't do it on our own power. I saw a quote from a, a foreigner some years ago and I wrote it down. I kept it. And he was saying to the American church, he said, I am amazed at what the American church has done on its own power. And I actually wrote it down. Let me read this right. He said, I'm amazed the American church has accomplished incredible things on its own power. But then he said, I'll never forget, he said, but you have gone as far as you can go without the Holy Spirit's power. And it's true. The American church is dying. We are now a post-Christian nation. We're dying. That is exactly what has happened. We need the Holy Spirit's power. So many of us are... We don't, we don't even, we, we don't depend on the Holy Spirit at all. We don't even know what it means to pray and, and, and ask for the Holy Spirit's power and wait for that power. I saw, uh, another, uh, I think it was a joke. I can't remember. I just wrote it down. There's a chainsaw story. I heard someone tell it. It was an ad. There was an ad in the paper. If you buy this chainsaw, you can, uh, t- uh, 
chop up 10 trees a day. You can saw them up and, you know, take down 10 trees a day and make them into to, to, to firewood 10 a day. Guaranteed, this, this chainsaw will, will help you process 10 trees a day. Guaranteed. So the guy bought it. He comes back and he says, ah, something's wrong. I, I'm, this is not working for me. I, I want my money back. He says, wait, wait, wait. What do you, what do you mean? It's not working. I can only do one tree a day. He says, one tree a day? He goes, that's all. I work all day long and I end up with one tree. And, and I barely even get that one done. He goes, well, let me see what's, let me see if I can figure out what's wrong. So he takes a chainsaw and he turns it on and he pulls on this, the, 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 the cord and it, and the guy who had bought the chainsaw said, what's that noise? <laughs> I love that. I love that story joke. Who knows if it's true, but I loved hearing it. Uh, that is so many of us. We're, we're trying to do it on our own, not depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't even recognize the Holy Spirit when He, when He, when He turns things on. Uh, we need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray that the Holy, Holy Spirit, please send your power. Please revive us. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our prayer. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us through this passage in Acts? As Christians, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us? Are we allowing Him to fill us? Before we even get out of bed, are we already praying and, and listening and talking to Him? Do we get, get down out of bed onto our knees and, and receive his power in our life through prayer. Do we we get in the shower? Do we what are we what music is playing in the shower? Are we get in our car, we're driving to work, what is playing? What what is what are we looking at on our phones and listening to it? Is it just worldly stuff? It's okay to read the news and stuff, but but is it just worldly stuff or worldly music in that car? Are we putting in worship and letting the Holy Spirit fill us and empower us and prepare us for the day and the trials and the struggles and the victories? Are we letting the Holy Spirit work in our life? Are we connected with are we are we connected with a Bible study or a home fellowship or Christians in some way? Are we are we stacking our log close to another log so we can generate that spiritual heat? Do we have an attitude of thanksgiving? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Take some time to pray about that right now. And while the Christians are praying about this, I want to talk to those who are not a Christian. You are not a Christian yet. That you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. The first step to the power of God and the Holy Spirit in your life, the first step is you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to come into you and transform you. Have you ever taken that step? If you haven't, then do it now. We were in Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 where it talks about being filled with the Spirit. We back up a few chapters. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is a gift. We receive the gift of life. We receive salvation through faith. It's a gift that we receive. Can't earn it. Can't deserve it. It's totally the Holy Spirit's work in our heart and in our life. We can only receive it by faith. Are you ready as the Holy Spirit speaking to you, pulling you, convicting you right now of sin, of your old life, 
of the garbage convicting you right now, you can be free of that and receive, put your faith in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. The prayer of faith. God, I don't want my sin anymore. I repent of it. I don't want my old life, the garbage, the shame. I repent. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death on the cross for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. To give me a new life, I'm putting my faith in Him. For it is by faith you are saved through grace. I put my faith in your grace, God, in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that every one of us, everyone who's listening that would know for sure that they are a child of God, that they've been saved by faith, that they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And I pray for every one of us as Christians that this would be a reminder, something that would write it down or put it on our phone or something that would transform our whole way of of thinking that we would depend on the Holy Spirit's power every day. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit's power would come upon us and we would really see revival. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, welcome to the book of Acts. We're going to have some fun and uh, we'll finish chapter 1 next time. Okay? God bless. If you have put your faith in Jesus, and I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a Christian friend or family member. If you don't, you need someone to connect with, tell me. You can email me, nhcc at comcast.net, and I will connect you with someone, connect you with the church, connect you with a Bible study. We'll get you connected, okay? All right, I pray that we all experience the Holy Spirit's power in a whole new way as we go through this book of Acts, starting now.